I was really trying to pass it, but my hand wasn't used to doing it. And so the ball was like going toward the rim. It was like, I'm not supposed to go over there. Welcome to What's On My Mind podcast with Eddie Johnson. Welcome to podcast number two. And I'm so happy and excited you enjoyed podcast number one. And your response has been tremendous. Without you taking the time to download me every week, I wouldn't exist. And I want to give to you everything I can to keep you coming back. Now, it is a number of ways that you can hear the audio and video versions. For audio, you can go to iTunes.com or you can go to SoundCloud. And I encourage you to leave your reviews and leave your comments because it's so helpful for us every week to bring the product that you desire. And for the video portion, you can go to YouTube and check us out, or you can go to my fan page at facebook.com, right slash what's on EJ's mind, or you can visit my website, eddiejohnsonthenumeral8.com. And I promise you, We're going to build this podcast every week to keep you coming back. I so much enjoyed my conversation last week with Muggsy Bogues. If you haven't seen podcast one, I encourage you after watching podcast two to go check it out. He was a riot. And then my roundtable discussion with Paul Coro, beat writer for the Phoenix Suns, and 16-year veteran Derek Harper, who is now the color analyst for the Dallas Mavericks, we had a tremendous conversation as well in my Big Dummy segment. So as we move on to week two, I have something else in store for you. It's going to be tremendous. I'm enjoying this opportunity to bring what I think you want to hear in a podcast. And I promise you, it's going to get better every week. But first, I always have to thank my sponsor because without him, this podcast would not be available. And I just want to thank Jason Mitchell Realty Group. If you are in the market to buy or sell your home, then I recommend Jason and his team at Realty Executives. From just about every accolade you can receive on a local and national level, their technology and resources are simply the best in the business. So please take the time and give Jason and his team a call today at 480-522-1030. That's 480-522-1030. Or visit them at mitchellgroupaz.com. Now, last week was really a riot. And I was so excited last week, and I hope I didn't show it on the podcast, but I want you to know this is something I always wanted to do. And that's a direct communication to not only my fans that follow me on Twitter at at JumpShot8, but also the thousands of people that come to Phoenix Suns games and watch me critique my favorite team, the Phoenix Suns, or nationally on League Pass when you tune in and you hear Steve Albert and I kind of banter back and forth with each other and have a good time as we telecast one of the most young, exciting teams in the NBA 
And then my serious XM NBA radio followers who love the NBA today show with Justin Termini and yours truly. I just truly love to connect and I just want to bring you sports from just a different light every week to just get it going. And it's not all about what I used to do. Yeah, I was a basketball player, but I'm going to tell you what, I am so excited right now because my Chicago Cubs, they're still in the news. How many years has it taken for the Cubs to be in the news in the month of November? But boy, did they clean up this last week. Not only did Joe Madden get manager of the year, but Chris Bryant got rookie of the year and Jake Arietta got the Cy Young. Go Cubs. I'm looking forward to a tremendous 2016. Now on to the segment that got a lot of attention last week because it's edgy. And as I told you last week in podcast number one, I always refer to myself as you big dummy that kept me focused. And I encourage you to purchase my book at eddiejohnson8.com. It is for everyone, not just athletes. It's for anyone that has an opportunity to want to better themselves and stay on the right track. So I encourage you to visit my website to purchase my book or you can go to Amazon, but get it and show it to your youngsters and show it to your coworkers because I think it will enhance what you're trying to accomplish in life and to stay on that road. And I have an interesting big dummy segment this week, and it involves an organization that somehow, some way has decided to tank. And boy, have they tanked. And so, I want to welcome you to the zone where only big dummies reside. See you in a second, you big dummy. It's time for the segment that makes us shake our heads. You big dummy. Welcome to my big dummy segment. Not these two guys. I'm talking about the Philadelphia 76ers. But first, I want to just welcome in Amin L. Hansen. You've seen him everywhere. ESPN, NBA analyst, True Hoops. It's nothing that he does not do. And LaSalle Thompson, what, 18-year veteran tank or 17 years? 15. 15. See, I tried to give you two more years. I'm sorry. 15-year NBA veteran. Played on numerous teams, was a teammate of mine when I first came in the league with Kansas City and then Sacramento. Gentlemen, uh, welcome. Them, you what, broke me in the league. Well, you know, I'll give you whatever you want. I, I owe you two more years then, okay? How much were you making? Uh, my <laughs> okay, all right, well, I'll, I'll pay you. <laughs> but, How about that? All right. Well, gentlemen, look. My big dummy of the week is the Philadelphia 76ers. And I just want to run through a synopsis because this is amazing to me even when I read through it. Now, in 2011, you know, during the lockout season, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers got off to a 20-9 start. Now, they struggled near the end, finished with 15-22 towards the end, but they got in the playoffs as an eighth seed. They upset 
the Chicago Bulls, who were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and then they took a talented Celtics team to the seventh game, losing four to three. And then the following year, trying to rebuild their team, they go and they get Andrew Bynum, which I thought, and everyone thought was a good move, but injuries cost them. And then along that season, everyone else got injured. True Holiday, Jason Richardson, I mean, Thaddeus Young, Nick Young, and they finished 34 and 48. Doug Collins decides to resign. Sam Hinkie takes over as GM. And boy, has he made an impact, right? 2013-14, he trades True Holiday, all right? He separated himself from Andrew Bynum. He waived everyone, and then he followed it up by drafting a guy, Nerlens Noel, who had an ACL injury and did not play his last year in college. But he did find gold. He drafted Michael Carter-Williams, and he eventually became Rookie of the Year, although that year they had a 26-game losing streak. And I think Sam Hinkie finally just said, you know what, enough is enough, and I'm just going to go backwards. And so the following year, he drafts Joel Embleed, number one pick, and he came in injured. He has not played a game. They got off to an 0-18 start. He littered the roster with D-League players. He traded the rookie of the year, Michael Carter-Williams. And we felt, okay, that's over. Philadelphia fans... They're going to start to understand that this guy is going to go forward. And lo and behold, what he does, he drafts another center. Now, granted, Jaleel Okafer probably was the best guy on the board. But again, three centers, three straight years. This season right now, four first-round picks on his roster, three second-round picks. And I'm just trying to figure out here. And I hate to beat up on Philadelphia. And I mean, I know you do too. You don't want to beat up on them anymore. They've been knocked out enough. But please tell me, three centers in three years, okay, seriously, what is Sam Henke doing? Is he building a team? See, that, that's, that's, <clears throat> that's what's happening. He's not building a team. He's trying to get assets. So if you look at every transaction they do as just one thing, say, okay, who's on the board? Jaleel Okafor, we'll take him. Say, okay. Michael Carter-Williams trade. What are we getting for him? The Lakers pick that's only top three protected. That could be good. Every single one of these transactions, if you look at it by itself, oh, that's pretty good. But when you take a step back and you look at the picture, because it's got to make a, right. an overall picture. There's no picture. It's just it's random noise. And so that's why the team never progresses. And when you look at the rebuilding job they're doing versus, say, a team like Orlando, a team like uh, Minnesota, not saying that these teams are contenders right now, but you see the progression because every move has an idea of the move we did before it and the move we're trying to do next. And we're trying to build something and build a culture. And in Philadelphia, they don't have any of that. But hasn't someone told him that in this analytic stage that point guards dominate this league now and skill players and not centers? You know, but it, it, it comes back to who's the best guy on the board at the time. Are you going to take an okay point guard or a big man who has a high upside. Again, if we're just talking about that one little conversation, should I take this guy or this guy? Oh, yeah, okay, Jaleel Okafor makes sense. But when you take a look back and say, wait, hold on, we already have two centers on the roster, why am I gonna take a third? Knowing that I can't play all three together, or in this case, because Embiid is always hurt, I can't play the two together, 
So they're never going to look good enough for me to say I can trade you and keep you. Right. So it, it's it's almost it, it, like I said, it, it doesn't have any kind of rhyme or reason to it. And because of that, I think they're just going to be hoping that one of these picks is going to turn into like a LeBron type player or, or something like that. Yeah. Now, LaSalle, look, you and I played on teams that just flat out stunk. OK, we know what stinking is playing in the NBA. I mean, bad. in Kansas City, I mean, we got along. We loved each other, but we stunk. I mean, 28 <laughs> wins, you know, 22 wins. But you as a player, I mean, we were hungry, though, right? It bothered oh. us. I mean, we had a problem with it. So I want to place you in that Philadelphia locker room as a rookie and then as a veteran. I mean, what are these guys thinking about? What are they going through and seeing this and knowing every night that they go out, they're not only the laughing stock of the league, but they have no chance to win? Well, in defense of our bad team, we were actually trying to win. We just didn't have a lot of talent. So, you know, that was our problem. Um, but with Philly, you know, when you look at their draft, uh, what they've done, I think they've always just drafted the best player available. Now, um, uh, the first kid they drafted, uh, who had the ACL tear, he really is a power forward. He's not a center, really. He played center in college, but he's a power forward. And then I think they knew Joel Embiid was still hurt when they drafted uh, Okafer. But give me your mindset. I want to know. I, you, hold it. You, hold it. You, you're Nerland's Noel. I want to know. I mean, what are they going through, man? Okay. I mean. They got to be going through hell because you got to think about this. All those kids came from winning programs. Okafor played for the national championship a year ago. Not even a year ago. but And so I'm sure they they, they probably shell-shocked right now. Everybody on their team probably came from a decent college program. And I think they purposely aren't, aren't bringing in veteran players mm -hmm. um, because I think they just want to take their lump and build up draft picks. I think if somebody called them and wanted to take one of their players, anybody on their team, they're willing to make a deal. You're a free agent. Yeah, I mean, would you even agent. think about going there? And, and I, if you're there, are you trying to leave? Look at what, all right, I'm going to answer both of those. The free agents they have are guys that nobody else wants. They want to play in the NBA, they got to go to Philadelphia. So they took that job. Um, now, as a free agent, like if I'm a, a legitimate, you know, outstanding NBA player, no, I'm not going there. I want to, you know, most guys, especially when they get a little age on them, they get a few years in the league, they want to win. And unless you're just going to grossly overpay them, they're not going to go into a losing situation. So that happens. Yeah, I mean, from a fan's perspective, I mean, look, we both, all of us know how, how passionate Philadelphia fans are. They booed Santa it. Claus, okay? I so, it. I mean, come on, man. From a patient standpoint, how much longer can they put up with this way of building a basketball team? We sure. talk about a storied franchise, I mean, a storied franchise. They are no, no, I, I, it's, I'm amazed that it's taken this long, to be honest. It seems like they're bought in because they, I'll give them credit for this. They have one hell of a PR campaign. So like this whole thing. They, they didn't just do it and just kind of hope no one notices. They, they packaged it and they sold it to their fan base. And their fan base, a lot of them seem to be eating it up. But the other night, again, we heard uh, the, the boo birds come out. We heard people talking about yelling at Okafor. I'm sorry. I feel bad for you and things like that. So I think it's starting to turn because, I, again, Fans are, this is the nature of the business. Either you're selling them a championship or you're selling them hope, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so at some point, you have to have a payoff on hope. 
doesn't have to be a championship or even a 50 win season but it just has to be like oh yeah now it looks like something's coming together like like i said if you look at minnesota the way wiggins is playing in year two the way carl anthony towns is coming out and the fact that these two guys you can say oh those two guys are going to be the future of my franchise you go down to orlando you can look at oladipo and uh, uh alfred payton and say those two guys are going to be the future of my franchise they're going to play a part in that right. uh denver you look at uh uh, Emmanuel Moutier and Nurkic and uh, and uh, <clears throat> Gary Harrison. Okay, those guys are the future of our franchise. I tell you, Philly, who's the future of franchise? Yes. We might could say Okafor. We might, unless they draft but, a center next year. Right, they spot, which they right? might. <laughs> like, if they got a good offer for him, they probably would trade him. Yep. You, know, you got to look at that. They, they, I think anybody on the team is up for trade. And then the one thing I'll say about having all those young guys, they're going to come out and play hard every night. They might not be productive, and they're still going to lose, but at least they're going to come out and play hard. Now, you get a bunch of veterans on the team like that, man, those guys ain't going to play hard for you. <laughs> no, well, that, well, that's why he got rid of the veterans. I mean, it was pretty obvious he he, he's guys. trying to protect the young guys. But, but again, but, like I said, okay, so. I don't think it's protection, though. Huh? I don't think I don't think it's protection. Yeah, I think it's the opposite. You get a bunch of young guys; they might play hard. Yeah, but if you play in the wrong way, yeah, that is, I mean that that doesn't help. You now don't they have a good coach though. Would you agree? They they do, I, and I feel bad for Brett Brown. I think he whenever he leaves Philly, you know, I'm I'm interested to see him continue his career somewhere where they actually yeah. give him players. He might win a game and start doing a dance <laughs> during the course of the game. But but like like I keep going back to Minnesota. I look at Carl Anthony Towns when he's out of the game. Uh -huh. He sits down next to KG. KG He's there teaching. Yeah. He's telling them things that most guys have to learn through two, three years of experience. Right. Oh, he always comes over that left shoulder. Oh, watch out for the chicken wing on the drop step. He's learning that stuff now. Those kids don't have any – nobody in Philly Nothing. is teaching them that stuff. They're, they're, they're going out there and getting burnt every single time by the same stuff and trying to figure out like well, – they, they, they brought Allen Iverson back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I was working with the team. I thought they brought him back for PR. I know. I'm just being <laughs> – well, you know, hey, hey, oh, you know what? A few years, what a number of years ago, even when I was a free agent, and you all remember this in Cleveland, Ted Stepien, right? Yeah, and and yeah. Ted Stepien would just lost his mind for a stretch because he was signing everyone. He was giving everyone a free agent deal. I think I got a contract from him, by the way. So I, I like him a little bit, but I mean, he was paying a ton of money, and the league finally stepped in and said, you know what? Enough's enough. Okay, we're, we're going to take control here, and we're going to do it this way instead of that way. Now, the league has shown that ability to do it in the Chris Paul situation with the Lakers. So can you see the league eventually stepping in if, if Hinky continues to go down this road? Both I, of I, you I, all, I, either one. I, let me jump in. In the Chris Paul situation, remember at that point, at that time, the league was running. Of the course, team. I know. And I think they stopped the trade not because um, of any for any reason other than they didn't want people saying that while the NBA was running the team, they were helping stock the Lakers, okay. up, which is what people said at first. Then when he ended up going to the Clippers and they ended up having a good team, the league stepped out of it. But they, you know, they kind of did the same deal. They just there was no backlash for them shipping him to the Clippers as opposed to shipping him to the Lakers. And but they took over the Pelicans. Remember that. Yeah, that's what I'm they saying. Took they took over. The running that team. Yes. So right. that's my question. 
Can yeah. you see them stepping in on Philadelphia I, I, I if he continues to go down this road? I'm tell you, I'm gonna let Amin say something, but I I think there's a reason for why they're losing like this. Go ahead, Amin. What do you think? Now I, I'll tell you, for the league to step. First of all, the league stepped in because the ownership in New Orleans they didn't right they didn't yeah. have any money. They were broke, yeah. so they're, they're trying to right. sell the team. They couldn't find the buyer, so the league said we'll take over and sell it for you mm-hmm. until you know to keep the lights on pretty much because otherwise they're just going to shut down and that would have been a black eye right and if you're doing that why would you trade chris paul if you're trying to sell it well this asset then and that's what people question them about why would you trade chris paul if y'all trying to sell the team well they did it because they they ended up tanking and getting anthony davis exactly and and that's the plan and so what philadelphia is doing i don't think it's new they're just doing it to a level that nobody's taking right. that this far, right? Usually, you get you tank for that one year, yeah. you get that guy, and then you start building from there. Yeah, this is three and they, years. They, yeah, and oh. and next year won't be any different, by the way. I mean, no. you're not gonna tell me the next three years won't. I mean, how how can you recover from from drafting centers? First of all, young guys can't even throw the ball into the post. Okay, so I mean, you, so if you don't have skill guys, even on the team with those big guys, they're gonna look bad anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, and then, as far as like beyond that, for the the league to change the rules about that, it requires I think a two thirds vote mm-hmm. from from all the other teams. Now, if you are one of these other franchises, and you say, hold up. If, if you know you're telling me there's a team where I get two to four guaranteed wins a year against thank you <laughs> and, and when I'm in salary cap trouble and I got big salary I got a dump they got all the cap space and they're right. willing to take it you, you tell me there's someone there's one team like that why not let them do that to the end of time that's yeah. one less team like that. that helps everybody to be honest but it's it, Philadelphia it, man it's come on it's it's old, I mean you got you. Charles Barkley I mean Dr. J I mean well, that's a story a franchise. Story. That's a long. Yeah. I'm right. Doesn't Doctor J work for him too? No. Yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, he needs to show up more often. <laughs> no, but, but you know, you know what it is. Where this ends, EJ. I've seen this so many times. Everybody's all in on the plan, and the owner, you know, and the, the management could be all in on the plan, and everything's cool. But one of these days, that owner is going to walk into a restaurant, and somebody's going to say something to him, or worse, I'll tell you what the main one is. When their kids go to school and get picked on, right. like your daddy ruined our team, that's when logic and all that stuff goes out the window. And say, hey, y'all better start getting some wins right now, because I'm not gonna have my kids getting picked on every day at school because we're terrible. And at that point, this is what I always say: Sam Hinkie's gonna get fired. Someone's gonna come in, and they're gonna build a winner. Ironically, based on a lot of the things Sam Hinkie brought them, like all these picks, but right. the difference is they're going to take that stuff and actually use them and not just keep stockpiling and putting them in a, in a safe somewhere. They haven't won a game this year so far. And uh, I, I want to get you all start because, you know, no one's never gone 0 and 82. But well, that's not going to happen. Well, well you but, know what? Look, I know <laughs> it's not going to happen, but it's going to be so close. Probably. They're gonna, so they're gonna catch somebody slipping on the back to back. Okay. Well, well, the record is nine wins. Am I correct? Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Do well, you the, all think, based record. on this team, what you've seen, that they're gonna get they're nine, nine victories games. this year? I think they'll win ten games. That's tough, man. That's <laughs> because part of me says that, like, like Tank just said, 
there are going to be teams that come in on back to back. There are going to be teams that are going to say, "Oh, we got Philly tonight," and they just don't care. They like Cleveland, Cleveland a couple of weeks yeah, ago, couple, yes, twice, happened them twice, yes. twice. They take them serious. So. Yes, we were in New York. We were playing, and we had, and this was when they that year when they were doing that stretch of twenty some games. We were up twenty some points with five minutes left. Mike Woodson cleared the bench, put all the bench players in. Man, these cats almost beat us. They had yeah. we had a two point. Oh, they play hard. Feet. About 10 seconds left, and they missed the shot. And but that was still when they had Thaddeus and those guys. They hadn't completely given up then. But I want to add. I want to throw this in there too. I've also heard that what they're trying to do is next year when the TV money goes up, the value of all these franchises will grow up. Will go up because each one of these franchises is going to get like 700, 800 million dollars out of that TV deal. I've heard that what they're doing is stockpiling all these draft picks to increase the value of the team as soon as that TV money goes up next year they're going to sell the team because they said the value of that team will be like 700 million dollars and they're going to turn around and sell it it'd be more than that I yeah. think, so see, I think. there you go that, and, and it, if you if that's what you're doing that's a smart idea because now you can sell it and whoever comes in you got all these drive picks you got all of these young guys. You can build you it. Building the winner. Yeah, you, you can build it anyway. It's like a starter house. You come yeah, in. Yeah, that's it. You could say. Well, is that hey, hey, hey I, okay. Well, I can end it with this then. If that's the case, then I guess we're the big dummies. Then we didn't figure it out to the end. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's just a guess. I'm just speculating. They may not even be doing that. They might. But, be, but hey, still, hey, take own up, own up. Kind of, some kind of end game. Own up, big fella. We like yeah. it. Own up. That, I mean, oh, I hope that's saying. the reason because for me, that looks like the most plausible reason to me. Well, for me, I mean, and, and, and I want to thank you both for coming in, but for me, they're still big dummies. I mean, we love NBA basketball, and I'm hoping they get it together, but for they're big dummies. I'm just going to leave it at that, and I'm going to give them 10 wins this year. That's it. You guys say maybe what? I say 10. I, 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 I mean, I give them 10. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say they get 15. 15. Get, Tank? 15. I don't think, dude, I don't think 15 is going to happen. 15 too high? Because <laughs> look. Give, give me your number, Tank. Just give me your I, number. I, my number is 10, and I'm going to tell you how I came up with 10. They're only going to beat a team one time, because if you beat them once, then they're going to come out with vengeance after that. <laughs> and well, they're never going to win more. They're never going to win like two in a row, because if they win a game, then teams are going to be like, hey, these cats won a game. Don't let them beat us. So, they're going to they're gonna win a game, lose about 10 in a row, win a game, lose about 8 in a row. So I think All they're right. going to get about 10 Okay. Wins. All right. You give them 10. Amin gives them 15. I give them 9. And we'll find out. We'll revisit this later. Thanks again, guys, for joining me for my Big Dummy segment. Take care. All, All right, Eddie. Here's hoping the Philadelphia 76ers finally get their act together pretty soon. Now as we move on, we approach that segment that I believe will bring you back to me on a consistent basis. Because like me, I love to reconnect. I love to reach back in the past and catch up with an athlete that made an impact. And we'd like to know what they're up to. And my conversations with them are exactly that, conversations. They're not interviews. It's almost as if I was on the phone and you were privy to hear the entire conversation. We have a good time. And if you missed my conversation last week with Muggsy Bogues in podcast number one, I expect you to go back and check it out. Unbelievable.
Well, our next guest is a 14-year NBA veteran, had a tremendous career. And he was one of those guys that when he walked in the arena, he got the attention of everyone, including the ladies. And now he's a color analyst for Fox Sports. A talented individual that had a tremendous career. And you will enjoy this conversation from back in the day. Reminiscing about back in the day. Back in the day, Jim Jackson was known as James Arthur Jackson. <laughs> I didn't know that. How did you hide that name for so long, man? Hey, hey listen, my, my best one of my best friends, Sam Cassell, that's all he calls me is Arthur. He only called once he once he heard my mom called me that around my wedding, he never lived it down. I was ashamed of my name when I was younger. But as I got older, Eddie, I realized it's more distinguished. Think about it. James Arthur Jack. That's real distinct. It sounds military. Well, it sounds like a king or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you went now you went to Macomber Whitney High School in Toledo, right? Uh, now, are you the most famous athlete to ever come out of that high school? Uh, yeah, it was a guy uh, named, and you probably you played against uh, Calvin Ramsey. Oh yeah, he, yeah. So Calvin went to the same high school um, as I did. So probably between the two of us, I would say yes. Now, being that I'm gonna be a little greedy and selfish, I'm gonna say I am. But you know, that's up to debate. But yeah, Calvin came out a little bit before me, early in early seven. And both of you all attended Ohio State University, mm -hmm. that other school in the Big Ten, because you know Illinois is the top it's school. What? Illinois needs some help right now, bro. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been covering this in the last eight years. They need now. My man uh, uh, Gross is over there. Hopefully, he changed it around. But what about the football program? Come on. Well, they're getting better. Yeah. Well, compared to what? Well, well, just getting better. <laughs> hey, they can't get any worse. But I, it, you know, it, may, it always amazes me, Eddie. You know this. All the talent football and basketball by not being able to lock them in there at, at Illinois. Right. I mean, it, it, it always amazed me. What's your take on That's that? true. I mean, recruiting in the inner city of Chicago seems yeah. to be a deterrent for Illinois. But it's not like you got to get them every year, but you need to pluck one or two of them every couple of years to, 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 I would think, it's like in Ohio, you get all the guys that want to stay and play. Mm -hmm. So that just, the younger guys see that and say, well, you know, Jared Sellinger stayed, so I'm a stay. You right. know what I mean? Stuff like that. I just, it, from, from the city, they just don't get them. It stopped. It stopped with me. I, I came there because of Levi Cobb years right. ago, a guy named Artie Matthews. And then I came, and then pretty much it kind of stopped after like Ephraim Winters, a, a few other Nick, guys came. Nick, Kenny Nick Battle Anderson, came. Yeah, but it's kind of. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of gone down since then. I'm I'm hoping it gets back there because yeah, me too. I, look, I know you're pumping your chest right now because you got the best football team in the land. Yeah. But I don't know. You got a quarterback problem, man. I think no, we don't. No, we, JT Baird is a starting quarterback. That's going into this week. What's the problem? Okay, all right. He's got a coach that doesn't need, doesn't know how to make up his mind right now. Uh, he's trying to figure it out. That's the, that's the beauty about the regular season. He's trying to figure it out. Remember, they didn't hit their stride to mid to late in part of the season last year. So I'm a little worried, though. Michigan State at home and then got to go play at Michigan. Yeah. 
Those two teams worry me. And Michigan, offensively, maybe not as good, but defensively, they're good. They're going to be playing oh, at home in a hype crowd. So well, they just can't. They just can't try to punt the ball in the last no, five they can't. seconds. That's no, all. No, no. <laughs> just go for it, fourth down. I uh, know. Look, look, you were drafted number four overall, 1992, to the Dallas Mavericks, and you had a tremendous career. Is it 14 years total, or more than 14. that? 14. 14 years total, over 12,690 points, all around player. That was your mo. But one of the things I think that sticks out for you and any player, right, we didn't get that championship, yeah. and five times you went to the playoffs. And out of those teams, I tried to select three that I thought that you would probably pick as your best chance. And that was in Portland, Sacramento, yeah. and Phoenix. Which one yeah. was the best chance for you? Well, the best chance probably was the Portland team. If you look at the makeup of that team at the time, Eddie, we had basically two starting fives. So you had J.R. Ryder, Rasheed Wallace, Arbita Sabonis, who was older at the time, but could still play. Brian Grant, Calvin Cato, Greg Anthony, Damon Stoudemire, Walt Williams. I mean, Bonzi Wells was a rookie. Jermaine O'Neal was a rookie. Not to mention Stacey Augman. Right. Gary Grant. So from that person, and that was during the lockout year, so we only played 51 games. Now, to me, we ended up matching up with um, San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was Tim Duncan's second year, I believe. Right. That's a, that's a series we should have won. Yeah. That's it. It's no way that San Antonio team should have beat us, but they did. But I, when I look at the talent base, that team was ultra-talented. Now, the Sacramento team, if Chris Webber doesn't get hurt when we're in that Dallas series, I think we make it to the, to the finals against um, San Antonio that year. Right. And it's amazing yeah. how you can remember something. Yeah. You know, you play all that time. You're out of the league. Wow. But you know is that it was that one catch where you had that opportunity. For yeah. me, it was in Seattle. I mean, yeah. we had Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Derek McKee, Ricky Pierce, Michael Cage, Sam Perkins, Dana Barros, and we yeah. still couldn't get it done. <laughs> it's, and it's amazing, too, when you put that talent. You think about the talent, but in those type of series, it's, it's not always the talent. It's kind of that little intangible stuff. Can you make your free throws? Can you limit the turnovers? You know? Um, plays at the end of the game where you're completing that stuff. And think about it. When Chicago, I always say this to people, when the Bulls were reigning in the early 90s, mm -hmm. they weren't the most talented team. Right. You know, the Seattle team was more talented. The Portland team with Clyde Drexler and those guys were probably more talented top to bottom. Mm -hmm. But it was something about those championship teams. They did all the little things that sometimes don't show up in the stat sheet. You, you you got seem to get you seem to get caught up in like a whirlwind of teams wanting you, and then they maybe want to get rid of me. And yeah, and so <laughs> seven times you got traded. Is that correct? It, yeah, and other times I was a free agent, and you know Eddie, and this I, I you know I battle with that a lot in regards to why, and and after a while I just stopped. I just let it go because it really wasn't anything I do about it. When right. I when I was in Sacramento, I figured that was my last stop. But for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Phoenix was the same way. But I, I will say this. I got a chance to meet and play with a lot of great people that I never would have met. I lived in some great cities mm -hmm. um, that I never would have lived in. Contacts yep. that I made, I mean, are, are paying huge dividends for what I do today. So, you know, from a basketball perspective, it probably what well, didn't go the way I anticipated, but what does in life. But post my playing career, I mean, I, I can't complain. You can't complain. Now, you said it. You had a lot of teammates. So it's, this is probably a difficult question, but I'm asking anyway. You know, can you identify one teammate you had in your career that you would say was your best teammate? 
best in regards to just what, overall, not just Sam, Sam Cassell is, is was in my wedding. We were we got traded together um, from Dallas to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I was complaining the whole time. He was loving. He's like Jimmy, we're going to New York. So forget whatever <laughs> you're talking about. And, but I've had Brian. Gray, I mean, some great. But Sam is the guy. I mean that to this day, and me being back here in LA and mm-hmm. him with the Clippers, uh, it, it's just it's just something about 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 Sam and our relationship. Yeah, I got you. I got you. What's your best game ever? It, ironically, I would say the fifty-point game against Denver. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you, my best game was it was Game Three, Game Four. I think it was in the playoffs against Phoenix when uh-huh. I was in Portland mm-hmm. because that was my first playoff win. Uh-huh. And I was a part of it. So I didn't know what that feeling was like. I had some good numbers, but I was, you know, an integral part of it. But I got emotional because for seven years, I have always wondered what it would be like to be in the playoffs and to finally win. And that game kind of just stood out to me as far as, you know, it wasn't 50 points, 30 mm-hmm. points, but it was the emotional impact of finally winning the playoff game. Man, but tell me about that 50, man, because I'm you, you in L.A., man. I, look. I got I got 45 one time against the Clippers, but I got 43 in the second half. Oh man, you was on fire! I was oh, hot. Was so, but you know how it, Eddie? You know what the funny part is? We were in Denver the night before. You know how dry the air is. Uh-huh. I couldn't sleep, so I had, I had sinus issues because it was so dry. Mm-hmm. I had to turn the shower on that night <laughs> in order to get some humidity in the room. So I didn't get any sleep the night before. Right. Go to shoot around. I'm dragging, and for some reason, I was just so relaxed. You know how it is. You just uh-huh. don't think about it. And it just started rolling. And ironically, in the second half against Denver, we basically ran the same set every time down the court, but different variations, and yeah. Denver couldn't stop. But when you hot, you hot. Yeah, no, I got to the free throw line. <laughs> um, I, it's not like I shot a lot of shots, but I had 17, 18 free throws I made. Mm-hmm. I made two to win the game, too, I, I will say that. Right. Um, but got a lot of easy shots. You know the score, 45, 50 points. You right. got to get some easy baskets. Yeah. And I got a lot of them that night. Who who was the player, Jimmy, that you just always wanted to bust up? You know, it didn't have to be a star, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, did you just when you played against them, you just wanted to just bust them up. You got somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't stand him. You couldn't stand him. You know, just his well, demeanor. Well, you just It was it was your boy Kendall Gill. <laughs> Known as a as a defensive stopper, I wanted all of that when he was in Charlotte, but also when he was in Seattle. Um, who else, man? It was well, just I one. Is get, I always wanted to get Michael. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he talked so much. Junk exactly. Did too. People didn't know he talked so much junk. Yeah, so he talked so much. I just, you know, <laughs> I had to get him. I got some good games against, but he, you know, the, the line he got me on. We're playing him in Chicago. I had thirty three. We lost the game. Big Joe Klein was talking to him. Said, "Man, leave my young fellow alone." He said, "Man, that's okay, but tell Jimmy that's why he's wearing my shoes." <laughs> <laughs> and I kept wearing them too. I kept. Wearing he them. always had a comeback. Oh, he always had a comeback. Yeah, but you out in L.A., man. You said you shocked me because you know you say Eddie, I'm in L.A., and you know now you're in La La Land. And why are you out there in La La Land? Because I know I work with you on Big Ten telecast, right. and it got a little tiresome for me going back and forth from living out here in Phoenix. So what are you doing right now in terms of that? I got a bigger position with Fox. Other than lifestyle change with being back in L.A., I lived out here before. I used to train out here in the summertime when I was playing. But 
a better opportunity to cover more NBA, but to also continue to do some more studio for our Big East coverage, because uh, Fox owns a Big East network, and to do the national Big East game. So it was an opportunity, I think, I've been preparing for, for a bigger platform for probably the last eight years mm -hmm. since I've been at Big Ten Network. So without the Big Ten Network, this opportunity never would have come to the forefront. Right. And you're a businessman as well. I mean, once you retired, you got into business. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. Well, on the real estate development side, it's funny. I started in restaurants in Dallas probably back in 97. We had eight restaurants in Dallas. We actually opened up one here in L.A. with uh, Mark Cuban and Ty Wagner. But, I mean, I always thought about what I would do post my you know, playing career. So I got involved in real estate ventures while I was playing. And I think that helped me that when I retired, I, didn't, I wasn't looking around for, okay, now what am I going to do with my time? You know, I kind of fell into the Big Ten Network. That started in 07, a year after I retired. But again, Eddie, I'm telling you, and you know this and you do it as well as anybody, the contacts I made during the years I was playing mm -hmm. opened my eyes to other opportunities. Exactly. It put me in situations to think about post-basketball career. Uh, coaching was something I never wanted to do. I was always interested in business. So the partners I've been able to make and the, the things I've been able to do have, have been a result of, I think, living in 12 different cities and meeting a lot of different people. Well, see, I'm going to ask you a, a rapid-fire five questions and since you in La La Land, to me, this is the perfect question for you because, you know, you're still in shape, man. I mean, you know, you're walking around L.A. Hold I on, mean, just a second. A movie That's career. somebody at my door. Don't let them in. A movie career. <laughs> a movie career might be in the waiting for you. So if you didn't play basketball and you out in L.A., what would you be doing right now? I'd be on the beach somewhere, lifting weights something, chilling. <laughs> Venice yeah, Beach. Maybe. Venice Beach. I'll, I'll be doing some kind of business, but for me, I'm so laid back. I can fall in whatever category. I can figure it out. Okay, what was your favorite player? Well, who was your favorite player? Oh, Dr. J, without a question. By far. Why you didn't wear his number then? I wanted to wear his number, but um, I couldn't. A lot of times, six wasn't available. I wanted to wear it in junior. I mean, junior high and um, grade school. Mm -hmm. But I wore my father's number, which was 22. Oh, okay. Now. If you could have smacked anyone, any, they don't have to be in the league. If you can just smack them and get away with it, who would it be? You, because you talk so much on the ball, <laughs> your boys. And when I come out there next week, I might have my glove ready. Because <laughs> people don't know if they don't not around you how much junk you talk. <laughs> on the golf course, <laughs> off the golf course, just the looks on your face. Oh, ah, You better yeah. come with it. You better yeah. come with it. <laughs> yeah. All right, finally, what is your most prized possession? A pair of signed Muhammad Ali gloves. Man, I got me a pair too. Yeah, I see them. Is that up there? That's right there. I, that, right, my all-time favorite athlete, when I got those gloves, I mean, that was... I mean, from a, just from a sports perspective, that was that was it. I don't keep, I don't hang on to a lot of stuff. I wish I did. Mm -hmm. I wish I had to collect more me memorabilia from the guys I played against, but my ego wouldn't let me. But those gloves from that man, yeah. Okay, so can I call you James now? Since I now, know, as long as I can call you Edward. No, okay, I'll call you Jimmy. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, thanks for coming to join us in back of the day. All uh, right, you got it. I'll see you next week, man. Clubs in tow. All right. <laughs> Here are Eddie's final thoughts. Final thoughts. 
are centered around the New York City area. Back at the NBA draft, you were despondent. It carried over from not getting the ping pong ball you wanted. The Minnesota Timberwolves got it. And their target immediately was on Carl Anthony Towns Jr. And as the process went along, you knew and figured out you would not get your second choice, and that's Jaleel Okafor. And I heard you bandy about the idea of drafting a point guard in D'Angelo Russell. And there was a young man on the horizon that everyone had been talking about throughout the season that potentially can be a tremendous basketball player. And sometimes things just work out funny because the decision-making was taken out of your hands. You weren't forced into having to make a mistake. And you just sat back in a seven-foot-three skilled basketball player with a tenacious attitude fell right into your lap. Kristaps Porzingis was roundly booed as his name was called at the NBA draft. But unlike a lot of young players and how they might react in that situation, he marched up to the stage and he grabbed his hat And he went to his interview and he loudly proclaimed, I embrace the opportunity to play in New York City. I was moved by it because it showed me maturity that I had not seen. And early season results is showing us that this young man was true to his word. Kristaps Porzingis, he's not a bust of the past that he was compared to after the draft. He is a potential all-star, and it's only a matter of time before he visits that mid-season classic. I can boldly predict that he might wind up being one of the best players that we have seen play the game. And I know you're saying, wow, Eddie, that is a lot of accolades you're throwing on such a young player. But I only feel that way because of his confidence in himself and his willingness to embrace the pressure of playing in New York City. And I'm looking forward to him proving everyone wrong. And Kristaps Porzingis will become a household name in New York, as he already has. They're chanting his name right now. So here's some advice. Just because you have the number four pick does not mean you get the fourth person. Thank you. We are at the end of podcast number two. Thanks again for joining me. Also want to remind you, 
You can access the audio version of this podcast at iTunes or SoundCloud. And if video is your choice, please check us out at eddiejohnson8.com or facebook.com right slash what's on EJ's mind and YouTube. I want to thank my sponsor, Jason Mitchell Realty Group. If you are in the market to buy or sell your home, please give Jason and his team a call at 480-522-1030 or contact them at mitchellgroupaz.com. My special guests this week, Amin L. Hansen, LaSalle Thompson, and Jim Jackson. Thank you. I appreciate you checking in with me and my listeners. Again, thank you. I appreciate you. Get ready for podcast number three. It's going to be even better. Have a great week.